In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. On my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. I refrain from it, so that no one may think better of me than what is seen in me or heard from me. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 5 to 6. There is a saying in the theatre that if you don't blow your own trumpet, nobody else will. Dramatic personae really enjoy being recognised. They're fueled by their audiences, hyped up by their fans. They love to hear how great they are. And really, there's nothing wrong with that as long as the self-boasting goes by the wayside. In another translation, Paul says he doesn't want anyone to form an estimate of him that goes beyond the evidence of his own eyes and ears. We know that when we begin bragging about ourselves, it can spiral out of control, like the song, Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better. Much safer to let someone else do it for you because they'll only talk about what they've seen and heard you do. If we adhere to his teaching, we will be our best, so that those watching us will know us for who we are, not who we imagine we are. This passage also tells us about the thorn God sends Paul to stop him from getting too elated about a special event and revelation that he had. So Paul was evidently tempted to talk a little too much about himself too. God will work through us. And if we deserve the accolades, they'll come in many forms, trust, responsibility, recognition, perhaps even fame. But the important thing to remember is don't pull a Cassius Clay and shout, I'm the greatest. Be more than happier to shout, God's the greatest. Let others see and hear your worth without you having to brag. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. My guest today is Marsha Washburn, a veteran homeschooler of five boys, a word which she notes rhymes with noise, toys and joys, and not accidentally either. I'm going to be sharing my visit to the British Library with you, as well as a cruise down the river, remembering my daughter's birthday, travel during the Olympics, the Shard, and attending final shows. I'm using up the last of the builder's tea, keeping the removal men and packers company, and sharing my plain digestive biscuits because they're so dunkable. I think our flat's in danger of floating away with all the rain. The hosepipe ban has finally been lifted, and we got more rain in two days this week than in a whole month. Now, sit down with me for an hour and enjoy my natter between slurps. And before I get any further into the show, I have to wish my eldest daughter many happy returns for tomorrow. There you go, Paris. Do ya. Happy birthday. Okay, that's it. That's your birthday tomorrow. 23 years ago, I was really excited to meet her. I'd had two boys and it was about time for a girl. I even arrived at the hospital um, early 
and my OBGYN, who was doing my scheduled C-section, didn't show up. He had overslept. First time in countless years, he said, so I had to wait a little bit longer, but it was all worth it. She was and still is absolutely beautiful, and I miss her birthday by a few weeks, but I'll be there. Her dad, my handsome cowboy, was out on the Bee Gees World Tour during my pregnancy, but he came home for the joyful arrival five days before and five days afterwards. Whew, that was a long time ago. You're getting old, Paris. I remember I only gained 24 pounds. Anyway, Parsis, have a great day tomorrow and don't get water in your Coke. And we're going to go straight to my book excerpt now. Remember last week we had finally nailed down where Malia was going to go to college. My oldest was in his flat down the road. My younger son was at Texas A&M and my birthday girl was in Africa for a year. It was just my youngest and me at Wildflower Academy and all sorts of things happened to disrupt our schedule. I had to let it go completely and live in the moment, something my youngest is not absolutely comfortable with as she's always looking forward to something, which I'll explain more fully later. We barely returned from England to see Paris off to Liberia when I got a phone call to say my father had fallen and broken his hip. I didn't jump on a plane and rush to their aid straight away, but... They had family in the immediate area and social services were very accessible. Instead, I took full advantage of the six-hour time difference and got up early and made all my phone calls and arrangements before our casual school started. In December, I was out at a friend's house with my youngest. We didn't have cell phones. She didn't own one, remember? And I'd forgotten to put mine on. This happened often in our early introduction to the digital world. When we got home, our principal was fit to be tied. He'd had a call from the Mercy ship saying Paris had malaria. The nurse he'd spoken to assured him that the treatment was quick and efficient and that our daughter would experience flu-like symptoms for a few days and then be better for the sail up the coast of Africa to Grand Canaria the following week, where the ship was going to be in dry dock for a couple of months for its annual overhaul. The plan had been for Malia and I to fly to England and then on to Tenerife to meet Paris and spend a couple of weeks of sister-daughter time before returning to England to check on my parents and head back to America in the middle of January. The next time the ship called, my youngest and I were at the grocery store and still didn't have a phone with us, so we again returned home to panic stations for the second time in a week. The malaria had gone to Paris's lungs, and she was having problems breathing. She was in intensive care and had to use a wheelchair to get to the phone on the ward. Dread set in. We were too far away to effectively solve anything. We had to put Paris's dilemma in God's hands and her immediate care in the hands of her friends, the doctors and nurses on board the ship. A couple of times we had heart-rending conversations with her. She could hardly breathe and was panicking. And in the end, she had to go on full-time oxygen and the sail date was drawing ever closer. Finally, the captain decided that the best thing to do was to have her airlifted to a hospital on the mainland because he didn't think there was enough oxygen to make the voyage with Paris aboard. Now, remember, this is the coast of Africa. My husband sprang into action 4,000 miles and half a world away. The suggested hospital was in Johannesburg, South Africa, and while that was all well and good, we naturally would rather have one in Europe, preferably England, near family. Unfortunately, despite connections with a large London hospital that had the special breathing and conversion machines Paris needed for her severe condition, she was refused admission because she wasn't a resident, despite being a citizen and working on a hospital ship out of England with a member of the House of Lords as head of the board and personal friend, pulling strings for us. 
The National Health stood firm, ankle deep in red tape, and after a few more phone calls, we found a fabulous hospital in Germany. Her brave father booked a flight to München, and negotiations with the insurance company began. Paris had to be intubated in preparation for the airlift, and the nurses gave us detailed descriptions of the procedure. By now, she was pretty much out of it, and we had to take the nurses' words for it that she was still breathing with help and was going to be all right. Paris has no memory of the dramatic drive from the ship to the airport through the potholed streets of Liberia with NATO and government escorts. Apparently, there were fond farewells. Someone had packed her a couple of bags for the hospital stuffed with cards and letters filled with prayers and love. For eight hours, while airborne in the Learjet, she was out of contact, and my husband was on his way to Germany to meet the ambulance at the hospital. I spent a frantic night and day on the phone to the insurance company, who were completely cooperative and supportive. The minute they heard news that she had landed safely, they called me. My husband also called to say he'd arrived and was waiting at the hospital admissions for the ambulance. Paris spent seven days in intensive care with her father in constant attendance, then another three in a semi-private room until she was discharged to make her way home to America. She arrived 25 pounds lighter and in shock at having had to leave the ship and her friends, whom she'd grown to love, so abruptly without being able to say a proper goodbye. One consolation were all the cards and letters sent home with her, which she tearfully read several weeks later. The malaria was not the recurring type, but she's been cautioned not to return to mosquito-infested areas, especially as her lungs are so susceptible. As for Malia and I, we still went to England, but instead of a sunny Tenerife beach, we spent it in snowy broadstairs. I had to get both my parents out of a nursing home, where they'd been put as a last resort because of my father's inability to walk alone and my mother's bout with pneumonia. We stayed for three weeks and sorted them out, enjoying birthdays and family gatherings. Once all the excitement died down and we got vaguely back to normal with Paris, also enrolled in the college hospital, no, not the college hospital, in the community college, my last homeschool student began to grow impatient with the extra time she suddenly had in her hands now that she'd decided on her future and no longer needed to trawl the internet for possible colleges. She wanted to be on the other side of the year without going through the hard work, both physical and emotional. She wanted to wake up tomorrow with her degree, a job and a husband 10 years on. She wanted to be all grown up without the hard work of stumbling, making mistakes and taking wrong paths. Coupled with this impatience came the conflicting fear of growing up. I tried to explain to her that reaching grown-up status was gradual. One day she'd look at herself and realize she'd arrived and wonder where the time had gone. As I mentioned at the beginning, this daughter was not comfortable with living in the moment. I cautioned her to be present and not to wish her life away. My words fell on deaf ears. That summer, I officially closed Wildflower Academy to generous accolades from the alumni and a few tears mixed with the champagne. We were still told we were not like typical homeschoolers. This is part of our ministry and draws strangers closer. We weren't exempt from the blows of teenage rebellion. We may have encountered them later in life with our close-knittedness, keeping the children a little younger, a little less precocious, a little on the immature side. But misfortunes still befell us, as in any healthy family set on its path together to find both collectively and individually itself. Our children followed their dreams and goals. They did what they felt was right for them. They discovered who God created them to be. 
They're not our clones, as they keep reminding us, by any stretch of the imagination, but there are traces of my blue-eyed cowboy and the great finder in each of them. Now our adult children are discovering we are their advocates, not their adversaries. Together, we've emerged into the light at the end of the tunnel and wait to see how God will reveal himself in the unwrapping of their individual futures. And that's the end of my book, I think. I think I finally have come to the end. It's taken a while, but we got there. And I've got just a few moments before we go to break. So I'm going to play some more of Stevie Wonder's Happy Birthday and Happy Birthday Paris for tomorrow. And I hope you're listening. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Thursday nights, get ready for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millette, at 11, 10 Central on Toginet.com. What are the Read My Lips Tips for Success? Well, it's spelled out like this. R. Realize it is possible. E. Embrace all relationships. A. Advance through adversity. D. Develop your significance. M. Manage your health and wealth. Y. Yield to your natural abilities. L. Listen to your heart. I. Invest in yourself. P. Persist by taking small steps. And S. Serve others. Each week on the show, you'll find a safe haven whereby tips, insights, and strategies are shared by Linnea and her guests. Go to Linnea's website, readmylipstips.com. Then join us Thursday nights at 11, 10 p.m. Central for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millette. On toginet.com. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on Doginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, 
here I am, and my guest this week is Marsha Washburn, who is returning to my show to talk to us about teaching our children and ourselves music. Marsha holds a master's in music education and taught public school music for eight years prior to the birth of their first of five sons, whom she and her husband homeschooled in rural Colorado for 19 years. Marsha is a columnist for two major home education magazines and speaks nationally and internationally about homeschooling and building a firm foundation for our children that won't crumble under pressure. Her books include Beethoven Who, Family Fun with Music, Activity Days for Homeschool Groups and Families, Talent to Treasure, Building a Profitable Music Teaching Business, Homemade Convenience Food, and her brand new e-books, Management for Mums series. Welcome to my show today, Marsha. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you again, Vivian. Well, how are you? I am well, thank you. We have um, had a a busy time in our family and, unfortunately, a busy time in our state. We live in Colorado where all the wildfires have been. Oh, right. But um, the firefighters have gotten them under control, and, you know, we have a very large state, so even though many homes were lost, uh, Colorado is open for business. People can still come and see our beautiful state. There are many areas that were totally unaffected by the wildfires. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. And we, on the other hand, have had the wettest two months on record here in, in England. So it's just been sort of... We could really have used some of your rain. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's just constant. Well, Marsha, the last time we spoke, we talked about um, your workshop, your homeschool workshop that you did with the Shua Indians in Ecuador. And um, you were telling me that there were um, quite a few um, homeschooling families there, not necessarily missionaries. In fact, I don't know whether you included the missionaries in your number, but the local Indians themselves were homeschooling. Um, What news do you have from um, Ecuador? Well, the news is mixed. Um, The movement is growing in the the larger cities like the capital, Quito, uh, where it's partly Ecuadorian, partly missionary families. Out in the jungle where where I was working, um, there are still difficulties with with those who would stir up trouble and dissension, and uh, there's worry about whether homeschooling is legal, although it has been proven to be so in Ecuador. Um, Education in general is foreign to their culture in some ways. They uh, employ a very egalitarian parenting style where children pretty much have the right to do what they please. And if they feel like going to school, they go to school, and if they don't, they don't. And so, as you can imagine, um, this this presents a problem for homeschool parents as well because all of a sudden the children are expected to, to be there and do what they are, are told each day. There's, it's quite a conflict with a traditional biblical uh, model for, for parenting. Mm. But God has, has brought a missionary woman to the village who is homeschooling her own two adopted Schwar daughters. Mm. And that has brought great encouragement to the Schwar people because it shows them that this is not, homeschooling is not just for foreigners from America or England or wherever, that Schwar children can learn and succeed. And so she has started a support group of sorts, and they, they do activities together. And that has been a great encouragement to those who have held fast to homeschooling. Well, um, that's very interesting, um, what you said about the culture, that homeschooling goes against um, their culture. So that's that's a, a large obstacle to try and, and overcome because, um, you know, it's pervasive, isn't it, the culture? So. 
Uh, it seems to be. And, you know, any place that the enemy has had his hands on for a long time, he's not eager to let go. And mm. as you and I and your listeners all know, when when people begin teaching the Word to their children, um, they, um, you know, the, the kingdom of God advances. And so uh, it's it's no wonder that they're encountering some, some difficulties. I would invite all of your listeners to pray for the Shuar people in Ecuador. This is the, the tribe of Indians that is just immediately to the south of the tribe that Nate Saint and Jim Elliott worked with back in the 1950s. They may be familiar with that story through the, the movie a few years ago, The End of the Spear, or through Gates of Splendor, um, any of those those stories. So um, the culture is very similar with this group. Yeah, yeah. and, um, you know, as the Bible reminds us, in your weakness, I am strong. So, you know, God God will come through. So yeah. it's just wonderful what, what um, you, you say that the missionaries and, and you yourself are doing there. Uh, yes, we are busy as ever. You know, you think when your your children have all graduated from homeschool that uh, you'll have time on your hands and nothing to to spend it with. And uh, God has a different idea, doesn't He? As, oh, yes. as you were sharing in in stories with your family. Yes, exactly. Um, our our sons now are all adults in their twenties and thirties. They're scattered mm-hmm. across the country from Phoenix on the west to Orlando on the east. Our fourth son was married in June. Our third son just completed his residency in family medicine, and he and his family will be going to Peru in about six months as medical missionaries. We have seven grandchildren here and two more in heaven, and and we're preparing to have our mother-in-law move into the house with us. So um, life doesn't slow down just because you're done homeschooling. No, that's right. I mean, all of those those empty sort of spaces are are filled miraculously, and, and that's what my husband and I are, are um, experiencing as we say goodbye to our our final our final uh, homeschool grad. So uh, and, and we've got lots of ideas, and we'll probably look around and go, "How did we have the time to homeschool?" <laughs> that is exactly what I wonder myself on a day-to-day basis. When did I fit homeschooling into my day? But you know, at that time, I wasn't writing books. I wasn't uh, doing very much speaking. Um, you know, an occasional uh, magazine article here and there. And um, God has just moved me into becoming a teacher of homeschool teachers now. Well, that's that's wonderful. So tell us about, I, I want to do the music book that you have uh, brought out, which is brand new, and it's called Beethoven Who, Family Fun with Music. So tell us a little bit, a little bit about how that works for us. Well, <clears throat> you know, I have been a lifelong musician. I began playing piano under my mother's tutelage when I was five because she was a piano teacher and I wanted to do what I heard all of her students doing. And through the years, I have just wanted to continue to share that music with others. But as I've looked around in the homeschooling community, <clears throat> pardon me, I have found that uh, so many homeschool moms are uneasy about teaching music to their own children, particularly if they don't read music or play an instrument themselves. Mm. And so they, uh, what I wanted to do was to develop a music appreciation course that would be accessible to anyone, even if they didn't have a musical background themselves. 
-hmm. And that's where the idea for Beethoven Who, Family Mm -hmm. Fun with Music, came along. And so the the premise is that most homeschoolers either feel like they don't have enough time to do music, they don't have enough talent to to teach music, or they don't have enough money for the the curriculums that are out there. I don't know about you, but I was checking into the costs, and it can cost as much as 150 to 175 dollars for one grade level of music textbooks and CDs. Um, and you know, I don't know very many homeschoolers that have that much additional income after they pay for all of their regular uh, subject materials. No, exactly, exactly. And, and so, how how does tell us tell us how you avoid um, charging that much money for your, for your um, book? Well, what do you, do? you know. All, all a family would need would be the Beethoven Who, which is an electronic book. It's an e-book, mm-hmm. so there's no shipping or anything like that. And as they go through for the listening sessions in particular, to listen to the wonderful, great uh, works of music, and this would include classical music, folk music, patriotic music, sacred music, they, we use the power of the Internet for the listening examples. And so as they go through the text, they just click where it says click here to hear this selection, and it takes you straight to a link on the Internet for free to not only hear that music, but also to see it being performed. And then in the notes, I've written, for example, at 1 minute and 37 seconds, and you can see that at the bottom of your screen, of course, if you're used to uh, viewing things on on the Internet, um, be sure to watch for the French horn. And that way they can see what the French horn looks like, they can hear what it sounds like in that musical composition. And so it's even better than a course where you have uh, a bunch of expensive CDs to purchase because you can see what's happening with the orchestra or with the singer, uh, not just hear the music. Mm. And you've all, you're also able to put not actually a verbal running commentary, but your, your um, written commentary helps them as they go along. Yes, exactly. Uh, for example, I I might, um, well, I, I've tried to choose music that through all my years of teaching i found that are very accessible, that music that children love, and so do their parents. There is a reason they are called classics, because they have stood the test of time. And so in the commentary, for example, when we're learning about Bach, um, you'll see videos showing not only how an organ is played, because he wrote a lot of music for organ, but how it's built. And then you'll see, and then in the commentary, the written commentary, I, I will make a comment. Okay, at this point in the video, notice what, what's happening with his feet. Did you realize that an organist plays with his feet as well as with his hands? And so then I tried also to find different versions of some of the pieces. For example, when, they're, uh, when we're studying um, Handel's Messiah and the Hallelujah Chorus, of course we use the original version that has the orchestra and the choir singing. But there's also a fifth grader's version and what they did with it. So I, I tried to expand it beyond just the, the traditional performance of any given piece. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yes, I, I heard a piece at our church, an organ piece, and um, I came home and researched it. They gave me the title of it. And I found this fantastic YouTube video of this guy playing it, and his feet were going crazy. I know that you use feet, but, oh, my goodness, it was just amazing. And at that, we've got, I'm sorry, we've got to go on a break here, Marsha, but we'll be right back in about 90 seconds. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Do holidays and celebrations get you down and leave you feeling frazzled? Then join Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Sandy will help you discover the secrets to having the celebrations you've always dreamed of while adding fun and meaning to your life. From Valentine's Day to Christmas to special family events, Sandy Fowler will show you how to put the fun and meaning back into those special days by taking a look at what we can do to turn the upcoming holidays into cherished memories and show us how to allow it to intertwine with everyday life. For more on the show, Sandy, and to receive Sandy's Holiday Happiness Booklet, go to HeartfilledHolidays.com. Then get set to discover the secrets to creating happy holidays and happy everydays by joining Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon Eastern Standard Time on Toginet.com. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. So, Marsha, it sounds, it sounds to me as though you have quite a lot of computer savvy as well, because when you said as they're going through the text because it's an ebook, they just click on that on the link and it takes them straight to the music that they, uh, that you've encouraged them to listen to or that you want them to listen to for appreciation. And, um, you know, it goes straight there and you've done all that. <laughs> well, yes and no. Um, I am a musician, not a technician. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that, that being said, I, um, have had a lot of help from others who are, um, yeah you know, are are helping me out. Um, my son owns a computer business. He calls it Computer Doctors. And mm-hmm. so he's helped me out with it. But I also had a formatter who, who 
put the book together. There are over 700 internal and external links in the book. And so instead of having these, you know how it is when you have a a link, sometimes it'll have two or three dozen characters in it. Mm -hmm. And she condensed them into the little word here. But one of the things we found as we were field testing the book, Vivian, was Mm -hmm. that not every homeschool mom is real computer savvy. And so we included a tutorial in the first appendix of the book that says, this is how you do it. If you're not used to the computer, this is how you can use this book as you are teaching. And that seems to have helped a lot of, a lot of women who have been busy teaching children, not um, brushing up their computer skills. So really what you're doing with this book is you're not only teaching music, but you're teaching them to become comfortable with the computers. So it's twofold. And I'm sure that was not your, your, your objective. Well, it certainly wasn't in the original idea, but you know, most of us have been, especially middle age and older, have been kind of dragged kicking and screaming into the 21st century. That's right. That's right. But isn't it wonderful? Oh, it is. You know, now and then you you get a little bit um, put out with with them. But uh, I I can tell you, as a writer, being able to copy and paste and cut on um, on the computer instead of with a typewriter is yeah. a real advantage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So um, we're watching this. I, I, just before we went on break, I was telling you about this organist who was amazing. His feet were just as active as his as his hands, and you can actually feel as though you're right there. And some of those films on um, YouTube are just wonderful. They're beautifully artistic as well. They'll take you for a little tour around the cathedral that's being performed in, or something. So there's a lot of stuff there. Is that what you use? Uh, yes, lots of them are on YouTube and, and elsewhere. And of course, the question comes up: Well, couldn't I just do this myself? Of course, you could. You can mm-hmm. you can make the the searches to find music you want. But so many people say, "Well, I recognize that piece, but I don't know the name of it." Mm-hmm. Well, how would you find it then? Mm-hmm. Or who? I mean, what homeschool mom that you know has time to to go through and spend the hundreds and hundreds of hours uh, of you know, developing a music appreciation course when they have so many other things to do. And so this is a service uh, that I've provided. I've gone through and weeded out the poor performances or those that are on questionable networks that I think, I don't think our Christian families would would feel comfortable in this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And um, I also do give some cautions because anytime you're using the internet, you do need to be cautious. And I give them suggestions for how to avoid having their children read some of the comments at the bottoms of the page. Occasionally, yeah. not so much with classical music and yeah. sacred, but occasionally you'll get something that you don't want your children to read, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. And so you do the music appreciation, but do you also do music series so that they learn about you know, what, what the notes are called and what a stave is and all that? Yes, exactly. Certainly, uh, Beethoven Who is not a substitute for, for having a wonderful uh, music teacher. However, um, it does answer a lot of the questions that people who are not musically literate have about music. Uh, and I try to simplify it as much as possible in the same way that I do when I'm directing a volunteer choir at church. Mm-hmm. Some of the people read music, some do not. And I explain note reading, for example, in anything that's on the page, 
that has a circle or oval kind of a shape is a note. You will be singing on that. Mm-hmm. If it's some other shape like a box or a squiggly, you don't sing there. And then mm-hmm. we move on from there. The more that you do to a note, the less time it gets. If it's mm-hmm. just an open circle, you hold it longer than you do if there's a stick on the side that we call a stem or if it's colored in or if it has a little flag or whatever. And I I give more information, of course, in Beethoven Who than just that. But we we start from the very, very beginning so that anyone um, who can read English would be able to understand. And that's what the people that we field test this with are, are telling us, that this makes sense. For the first time, I understand what I am seeing on the page. And so how long does this course take if if a mom starts it? um, How many weeks will she go with it? You know, that's an interesting question because it's designed in such a way that you can go straight through from beginning to end or you can cherry pick your way through the course um, just taking a little here, a little there. It depends a lot on the age of your children, too, and how much time you have to devote to music. Some families may want to just do this once a week. Others may make it a a short thing each day. Um, A high schooler who is doing it for credit um, could uh, finish the the book in a semester um, if they kept right on it. Otherwise, it, it would take a little bit longer than a half year. So, uh, you know, it, it just depends on how you want to use it. I uh, have an entire uh, opening chapter on how to use this book, and I give several alternatives because in addition to the listening um, sessions that we have mentioned um, and the beginning note reading, there are lots of games and activities um, and all of the flashcards and game pieces and, and everything that's necessary for that are included in the book. You just um, print out that page and you're set to go. Mm. So um, it would just, you know, uh, it could be something that could be used uh, for several years uh, with the family, but it is designed to be multi-generational so that the entire family, if you want to use it that way, all the way from your earliest beginners up through your high schoolers and adults would enjoy doing it together. It's family education, not just specific to one grade level. Yeah, yeah. I was going to, I was going to ask you whether it was specific to one grade level, but of course your title says music fun for the family. Family fun yes. with music, family fun with yes. music. So, yes, yeah, so everyone can listen to it. And it's funny how you said how how much time um, uh, a mom wants to spend um, doing music and of course you know in my family music and theatre and all the arts play a huge part so it was science that was how much time do I really want to spend on science until of course both my boys decided that they needed the science and so I had to kind of scramble around and try and find an outside teacher but in the end I got the confidence and I was teaching physics and chemistry to my children so I I did learn how to do that um, hooray for so, you <laughs> and don't don't you find that as moms that we we do things for our children that we would never do voluntarily <laughs> otherwise we we do things for love that we would never do for pay 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I think this is this is um, absolutely wonderful. And I like the fact that when you said that they click on a link, I thought, oh, gosh, that's perfect. But what a lot of work you've done and um, your, your compilers have, have helped you with. Um, but how valuable. I mean, instead of because I kind of imagine that you might say that you have to go to these websites and list the websites, maybe at the end of the chapter, you know, typing it in and looking for it. But, you know, you've got it right there and you've got a commentary that goes with it. And I find that so interesting. I mean, that would be it would be interesting anyway, whether you knew music, because I mean, you don't have to be a total rookie to be able to enjoy this course, do you? No, no. Uh uh-uh. I yeah. I think it was certainly a, a labor of love. Yeah. Um, it you know I it grew into a much bigger project that I had an, a, uh, initially anticipated yeah. doing, yeah. Um, because one thing would lead to another, as often happens when we're learning something new, and mm. so I I would find a, a link to the traditional version, and then I would find a link that took us to something totally different. For example. Um, in the flight of the bumblebee, which that that piece is, you know, you may be familiar yeah. with it. It was originally written for orchestra, and mm-hmm. I found links that that lead us to that same music, but played as a boogie woogie on the piano, on the soprano recorder, on mm-hmm. the tuba of all things. Mm-hmm. Um, other others where um, you, you may have been to the FAO Schwartz Toy Store at Times Square in New York City, mm-hmm. and they have a huge floor piano there, and uh, some of their employees will play music by stepping on the various keys of this piano, and okay. it's absolutely hilarious to watch them doing some of these pieces. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the traditional. There, there are lots of little extras thrown in for fun, as mm-hmm. well as the beautiful original music. Yeah, yeah, which which as a parent, as you said, you probably haven't got time to do all of that, bring in all that extra stuff, you know. So um, another question I have for you, music, okay, so it might not be at the top of my priority list, but how can we incorporate music with other subjects or how can we take some of the subjects that we are really strong in and bring music into it? You know, that has been one of my goals all the way through, and we used a lot of unit studies with our children because I love to get the bigger picture. Not I was out of college before I realized that George Washington and Wolfgang Mozart lived at the same time period mm-hmm. because we always studied everything in isolation. Mm-hmm. And as you were mentioning, incorporating them into other subjects really helps us to get a bigger picture view of, of history, among other things. Mm-hmm. And so I, as I included not only classical music, but uh, 44 great folk songs that every American school child ought to know. And mm-hmm. many of these do have a British background, so I'm sure they'd be familiar to you. But mm-hmm. one in particular illustrates what I'm, what I'm saying. It's called Drill Ye Terriers Drill. And it recalls the Irish potato famine of the 1840s. And uh, among the other things that I learned and that I share in the book, um, as I was researching this particular song for children to learn. Marsha, the music's coming up now. Let's finish. I'll um, wait. Our co- yes, uh, 90 seconds will be back.
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters on toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, FairytaleWishesInc.com. And for Deanna, TheNextBigZing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen on toginet.com. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. A live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework, knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out marklepinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, I'm talking with Marsha Washburn, her um, new book, um, a course, a music course called Beethoven Who, Family Fun with Music, um, is out for sale on her um, website. And we were talking about folk songs before we went on to a break. And you were saying about the the song is about potato famine, the Irish potato famine. Yes. Uh, The song we were talking about was Drill Ye Terrier's Drill. And... Um, it references the Irish potato famine yeah. of the 1840s, and um, many uh, Irishmen immigrated to the United States during that time because people were literally starving, as anyone who knows their history would remember. And so this song was written as um, they, the nickname for the Irishmen at the time was Terriers, and so they would have to drill they were they got jobs uh, building the transcontinental railroad and so they would have to hand uh, drill with a sledgehammer and a um a, a, a big spike of uh, the holes to put the dynamite in in order to blast their way through the mountains to make the tunnels and the bridges and so forth for the railroad and as part of this story i discovered that our choctaw indians raised 710 dollars which was an enormous amount at that time to donate to the Irishmen in Ireland because they remembered 16 years earlier their own struggles 
uh, on the Trail of Tears, where so many of their own people had starved mm-hmm. to death. And mm-hmm. I thought, what an interesting little side note that is in history, which we'd never get from a, a regular textbook, you know. No, um, no, no. But then it goes on, and it, you know, we we uh, have a link to the music and the cho- and the. Uh, words are on the screen, and the children can learn the words and so forth. But what a what a fun way to tie in history and humanitarian efforts along with music, and as along with the science and the you know the the interest in the transcontinental railroad. Mm, absolutely. So for those moms who think that music is just like the icing on the top, we can actually incorporate it into our curriculum, make it as as part of. Um, our, our child's learning um, either daily or, or once a week because with your course you've well I'm sure also that a lot of people will be um, if when they're using your course will sidetrack even further than you have you know oh just, no just, doubt homeschoolers yeah, can make yeah. a unit out of anything yeah you just get and, them started and they can go off oh exactly and that's part of the joy of it because the the school bell never rings. You mm-hmm. you can continue learning outside of traditional school hours. And yeah, if you want right. to stop and take a, a little wayside tour of something, you can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Marsha, you um, have a website where, where my listeners can go and um, check out your book, check out your other books as well. So tell us where to go. Uh, MarshaWashburn.com. I spell my name M-A-R-C-I-A, like Marcia, Marcia mm-hmm. Washburn. It may be easier to get there by typing in Building Tomorrow's Generation. Okay. Sometimes people don't remember my name, but Building Tomorrow's Generation will work. It's a little tougher on Beethoven because there are so many millions of links on Beethoven. Unless yeah. you write the entire title, Beethoven Who, Family Fun with Music, you probably won't catch that one. All right. Well, I've got both of those links on my radio show page, both under your name and under Building Tomorrow's Generation. And it actually, building when I type in Building Tomorrow's Generation, it's right at the top of, of the list on, on Google. So it's really easy to find. And we can buy the books actually there on your website, correct? Yes, that's correct. And I have a special going uh, for any of your listeners who, who would like to uh, purchase the book. The book retails at twenty nine ninety five US dollars. It's on sale right now at nineteen ninety five. But if any of your listeners when they are checking out uh, from buying the book, if in the little uh, um, box that says on PayPal buyer's instructions, if you will mention the sociable homeschooler, I will send you a free copy of my book Teach Your Family to Play the Soprano Recorder. Now, this is an introductory one, and again, even if you don't read music, you will be able to read some music by the time you are done with this little ebook. So right. I want to stress to your listeners, these are both electronic books. They will show up on your computer. You'll download them there. Well, that's this marvelous, is not something Marcia. that they don't have to pay any shipping. 
All right. Well, thank you so much, Marsha. I'm so sorry we've come to the end of our time. We're just definitely going to have to pick up and talk again because there are lots of other things that we can talk about. Um, I've been chatting to Marsha Washburn, author of Beethoven Who, Family Fun with Music. Go to her website and take her up on her offer and um, buy the course at an introductory rate and maybe get yourself a free soprano recorder um, playing book. Teach yourself how to play the recorder. Um, Anyway, her book um, um, inspires all homeschoolers, whether they're mu musical or not, to include music in the curriculum. And it sounds absolutely wonderful, as you've heard from our conversation. You can mind, find Marsha at www.marshawashburn.com or simply Google Building Tomorrow's Generation. And she has a wealth of encouragement and tips about challenges with the homeschool, both spiritual and educational, as you build your firm foundation for your children. And Marsha, thank you so much for joining me this week. I hope you have a blessed weekend. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much, Vivian. It's always a pleasure to visit with you. Thank you. Bye. Well, my youngest daughter finished college this week and is a graduate and proud of it. You should have seen her shine and sparkle and radiate at her two performances at the Shaw Theatre over there by Euston Station. The girls all wear their hair in French pleats, and I jokingly told her to put a flash of colour in the quiff at the front so that she stood out, but of course she didn't have to do that. She stands out anyway by absolutely glowing. You go, girl. And we headed back, the two of us, to the little town of Kew, the place I always think of when I'm doing my meditation. It's such a lovely, lovely little place. And we weren't disappointed when we returned. We enjoyed a delicious cream tea, except I had a cream coffee instead, underneath the cafe awning in the pouring rain outside. How more English does that get? And then we made our way to Richmond and caught a riverboat to Westminster. Very toad and ratty of us messing around on a boat. Because of the dismal weather, Malia and I were two of only six people on this massive boat, and we sat under the roof for the first little bit, for the first 30 minutes. Then when it stopped raining, we moved to the forward deck with an uninterrupted view of the beautiful Thames, its boats and houses and houseboats. And there were boys and girls learning how to row canoes, and there were heron, and there were lots of bridges. It was magnificent and restful and very quiet, since we were the only passengers outside. And um, when we got to Westminster after about 90 minutes of leisureliness, I felt sorry for the operators because this is their summer business. And with only six people on the boat, our fares barely paid for the petrol must have cost to make the journey. And in a real burst of energy between phone calls and packing and sorting, my Texan and I went to the British Library at King's Cross. Here, students can use the reading rooms. Well, anyone can use the reading rooms as long as they have a pass, which can be obtained by showing proof of residency. And these reading rooms are places where students or anyone can sit and read, study and write in the company of thousands of rare books available for reference use. Here can be found all you could possibly want for a research project or a paper right at your fingertips on the shelves of this historic library. We didn't have the proofs of res residency to be able to browse around a reading room, but we were able to go to the John Riplat Treasures Gallery, and we saw, among other valuable items, Handel's first draft of his Messiah, handwritten, of course, the St. Cuthbert Gospel. It's binding in as good a condition as it was when it was made 1,300 years ago, and it was acquired by the museum quite recently for £9 million with the help of some generous donors, including the National Heritage Memorial Fund, who turfed over about half. 
the Codex Sinaiticus from Palestine, 4th century, a Quran from the 7th or 8th century, the Ella Gospels from France dating between 825 and 850. Can you imagine that? The Worms Bible from 1148, some of Beethoven's manuscripts. We were talking about Beethoven who, now you know. And his tuning fork, Mozart's marriage certificate, Haydn's publishing contract, Elgar's sketch for his third symphony with doodles, the 1215 Magna Carta, the Daring Roll, which is the oldest surviving English roll of arms from the 13th century, and even Captain Scott's final diary, including an account of Oates' death. There were so many more precious artifacts, too numerous to mention, and just talking about them is giving me goosebumps. And we volunteered for the last time at our local theatre, and we carried my father's Remington manual typewriter up there to donate to the prop room. And let me tell you how heavy that piece of machinery was. It took two of us to carry it in a bag slung between us. Imagine we can now carry computers around that weigh about seven pounds and contain the libraries of books, albums of photos and vast collections of music. And talking of which, I downloaded all of my father's CDs into my iTunes. It took a few hours, but it's so much more convenient than toting CDs in their plastic cases. My MacBook, well, it was really iTunes, was absolutely amazing. It recognized the CD and would ask for clarification if they had, it had two or three versions. And um, it was added automatically and all labeled out. Quite an efficient little secretary. And we went to Westminster Cathedral on Saturday and learned about the rood, the massive rood, which is the crucifix, that weighs two ton and it just hangs above the sanctuary. Very daunting for anybody standing under it. And the shard opened on Thursday night over by London Bridge and everything was packed. Everywhere was packed and there was heavy congestion across the bridge. They had to close the bridge. So wondering how the Olympics are going to, you know, fare, how, how emergency vehicles are going to get through if something happens to somebody. But we won't be there. My brother's going on holiday and I'm going back to America. And I've got to finish now and get back to my packing. We're off to St. Paul's tomorrow and then we're going to hopefully a show. I don't know what show. We're going to try our luck. And I'll be here same time, same place next week. So without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight. Our children, who are the result of that belief, I miss you three in Texas, not long now. And happy birthday, Paris. Happy birthday. Remember, a museum go-round is not a merry-go-round. Oops. I mean, a merry-go-round is not a museum go-round, and that's a little in-joke. Thanks also to the hard-working staff of Toginet Radio, my guest, Marsha Washburn, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne in Lindale, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, Pam, Charlotte, Kathy, Susanna, and many others who are part of my growing audience. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Numbers 6, 24 to 26, in case you ever wonder where that comes from. Doop, doop, doop. Doop, Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Togi